Hi, this is Ali Ciardo in the Photo Field Notes podcast, and my featured resource this week is an old episode that's worth revisiting if you haven't listened to it before. It's episode 113, Understanding Consumer Psychology as a Photographer. And this is where I dive into what I kind of taught over the years at Michigan State University. I also am a part-time instructor with a background in advertising and PR, and I taught a class on consumer behavior. So I'm getting into um, some interesting things about the psychology of consumers, how they actually judge the quality of your work and the value of your work and some kind of surprising things in there. And on that episode, you're also going to get a freebie that is, it's called Get the Prompt I Use to Get Natural Laughter from Clients. So it's just a really simple prompt that I use to get clients to give natural smiles, natural laugh without just telling them to fake it. So you can find that at photofieldnotes.com and just put in the search box, episode 113. Welcome to the Photo Field Notes podcast, where you'll find stories, tips, and inspiration from professional photographers to get you taking action in your own business and making your business dreams a reality. Hello everyone, this is Ali Ciardo and today I'm talking with Christina Nicholson who is a former TV reporter and anchor and she now owns and operates a public relations firm called Media Maven and she is focused on helping helping small business owners earn extra exposure through media relations, video production, writing, and blogging. Welcome Christina. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me, Allie. Yes, so good and so good to have you. Um, okay, well, let's get right into it. I always like to hear kind of the, the backstory of all of my guests of how they got into these careers. Um, you know, how did you get into, well, first, like being a TV reporter, and then how did that lead into what you're doing today? Yeah, so being a TV reporter is just something that I've always wanted to do. I mean, I can remember if I want to go way back to eighth grade when it was career day and you know, you have to go somewhere and like shadow somebody. And I lived in a small town, so we didn't have like a TV station. So I went to like the local cable station where it was like a church channel or something. And I read the church announcements. So that was that. Um, And then I just, I went to school for journalism and I slowly worked my way up. I started at a cable station in New York City um, at News 12. And then I went to Beaumont, Texas, to Fort Myers, Florida, to Miami, Florida. And I worked as a a reporter and anchor for 10 years, and during that time, I had a couple of kids, and the schedule became – it became very apparent that the schedule was so demanding, and there was no way out of it. My husband also had a tough schedule because he worked in the golf business, so he also worked early mornings and holidays and weekends, and we didn't have any family nearby, so having kids and having – you know, two parents with two crazy schedules, it's not conducive. So I thought, okay, well, let me just get into another industry here. And PR is is a move that a lot of people in journalism make because there is so much that overlaps. And as a reporter and anchor, I was on the receiving end of so many pitches, so many publicists, business owners, brands wanting that free exposure. And they did so many things wrong. Like it was just so obvious. They didn't understand what we did in a newsroom, what our morning meetings looked like, how we decided what stories to cover and how to cover them and when to cover them and the whole thing. So I said, well, let me just get a job at a PR agency. I'll have a flexible schedule. I know how to do their job because I've been on the other side of it. So that's when I worked at an agency for six months. And it just so happened that I had the boss from hell. He was a nightmare. He was like, okay, I'll make this long story short. 
I took a pay cut to go work at this PR agency because this crazy boss was like, oh yeah, you can work from home and a flexible schedule and the whole thing. And then as soon as I got the job, he did a complete 180 and was one of those like crazy clock watchers wanting me to commute an hour one way to work. And it was just a nightmare. So after six months, I said, screw this. This is a service-based industry. I can do this on my own. So that's when I became... I'm using air quotes, a professional freelancer. And then I kind of slowly and accidentally over time built an agency. And so now I have an agency with an all remote team. It's a very lifestyle focused business. And then I also have an online course and mentoring program to help those business owners who want PR, but can't afford to hire the agency. So that's a very long answer to your question, Allie. I like it though, because in this case I can relate. I also started out, well, actually I didn't start out working in journalism. I started out working in PR and I can relate to the difficulties of sometimes the culture and, you know, it's hard to bill your hours and all these things that go along with it. But I think it's awesome that you come from the journalism background and you got to experience the really bad pitches for a long time. So maybe before we get into what what does work. I'd love to hear like a quick story or anecdote about like what a bad pitch looks like. Oh my goodness. Okay. I can give you a few examples. Um, honestly, it's crazy to say, cause so many people think this is the way to do things. A bad pitch is sending a press release, like just sending a press release and even just writing press release in the subject line. You know, like that worked wonders in the 70s and 80s, but right now it just doesn't work like that anymore because people in newsrooms, even podcast hosts and bloggers and influencers, I mean, they're getting hundreds of emails a day. So if you're going to send a long, boring promotional press release, it's not going to get anybody's attention. So that's one big mistake that so many people make because they're just so used to doing it because that's how it's always been done. But clearly the media industry works a little different now than it did, you know, even five, 10 years ago. And I can tell you another example, specifically as it relates to pitching me, somebody pitched me to be a guest on my podcast, become a media maven. And it was a great pitch, Allie, like it was good. And I don't know if this was a PR agency or if it was a VA, but it was a good pitch. And I was like, yeah, cool topic. Let's schedule this person and bring them on. And in between actually recording the interview, I kept getting emails and it was about the, the future guest book. Like this is what their book is about and their book title and their book is coming out this day. So can you release the episode around this day? And it wasn't just like one me, one email where it was mentioned, but it was like two or three emails before we even recorded. And then I was like, okay, like, what do you think this is? Like, it's my job to promote this person's book for free. Like what is going on here? And I was just so turned off by how, entitled this person felt like they could just use my platform and my audience to promote their book. So I canceled the interview. And in reality, if this person would have just come on my podcast and we would have had the conversation that was pitched, we probably would have talked about this person's book because she probably would have said, yeah, I talk more about this in my book and you can get my book here and it launches this date or whatever, because the promotion almost always comes by default, especially on podcasts. You know, when you're just talking about your expertise and your experience, like it just comes naturally. And the big mistake people make is they just try so hard to get that promotion 
And unless you're paying for it through an ad, like it's nobody's job to promote you. So you need to, you know, know your place and don't think that it's it's other people's duty to give you a platform on their stage because it's not. And I think, you know, there's so many examples I could share, but it all goes back to that. And you're so right, especially with podcasts. A lot of times when, if you do the the pitch right and the story right, you're going to be promoting yourself anyway. Like you're going to be, have a chance to share that anyway. And so it's kind of unreasonable to just blast this at people. I'll say one thing as a podcast host that I, I always am turned away from is when people want me to do all the work, when they're like, Hey, here I am. What topic would you want me to cover? Don't you like, I think I'd be a great guest. What topic would I be good to cover? And I'm like, I don't want to tell you, you tell me, I want you to come to me with specifics here. (laughs) So with that, let's get into the good pitches. How do we, how do we craft our pitches in a way that, that they are actually useful and likely to um, connect with the person who we're pitching. Yeah, I can give you a few tips. So one of them is keep it short, sweet, and to the point. And that's easy for you because it's less work for you. It's less writing for you. And again, that just goes back to the fact that we're all busy. We all have full inboxes. Like, don't tell us more than what we need to know. I'm sure you have a great bio that can be three paragraphs long, but we don't care. Like, just tell us what we need to know. So keep it short, sweet, and to the point. Um, I think my second tip would be to know who you're pitching. I don't suggest listening to all these episodes of a podcast, if you're pitching a podcast, I mean, that's a little overkill, but know a little bit about the podcast, know a little bit about the podcast host, look them up on Twitter, look them up on social media, check out their LinkedIn page, you know, browse their website, just so you're not pitching blind, which brings me to a third point, which is pitch one person at a time. A big mistake people make is they'll build a media list and they will pitch 50 people the same thing at the same time. And not only is this incredibly obvious, like you may think you're being clever with it, but it's very obvious you're doing it. But it's just so impersonal and we know that, so you're not gonna get booked. So you have to be personal in in your pitches. And then the fourth tip, Allie, you already mentioned is provide those talking points because you need to sell me. If I'm getting a lot of pitches for people to be on my podcast and I've already released 100 episodes, then you need to tell me what I should cover, why my listeners should care about it. And if I have covered it before, why should I bring you on? Like what makes you different? And then adding to that, I guess we'll make it number five. You should be super specific about what you're going to talk about. So for example, there are so many so-called marketing experts out there who can come on and talk about how to market your brand, blah, 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 blah. Well, there's so much under the marketing umbrella. I get a million pitches about that. But if you came on and you talked about how to be a guest on podcasts, which is something that I use when I pitch, that's a specific marketing tactic that not everybody's talking about. And maybe you're not getting a pitch every day about how to pitch podcasts to be a guest. So the more specific you can get to make the podcast host say, oh, wow, I've never thought of that idea before and I've never even been pitched that idea. They're more likely to have you on. And then the sixth and last tip that I'll give you is... Make sure you share the episode that you are on. If you're pitching podcasts, I mean, if you're pitching any kind of media, let the person you're pitching know, hey, if you include me, I am happy to share it with my email list. I'm happy to share it on social media because a big part of what makes people say yes in traditional media 
is if they know they're going to get clicks from it. And a lot of times that's what their bosses hold them accountable to. Like if you're writing an article and it's not getting clicks, you're not going to write about that topic again, or you're not going to write for us anymore, period. And then a podcast host, they want more people to find their podcast and listen to it. So if you're telling them, I'm going to share this episode with my audience, then they're going to be more likely to book you on it. But now when it comes to actually coming up with that topic, I think some people are like, oh, what can I talk about? What what makes me stand out? So how do you go about even coming up with the topic that's going to be helpful, that's going to be interesting when you're sharing it out? I think you need to look at what you do all day, every day. Not what you want to do, but what you can actually talk about. So just think like, what can somebody ask you a question about? And you can go on, you know, for five minutes answering the question without any notes because you want to be seen as an expert in your industry. If we're going back to podcasts specifically, that's what most guests do on podcasts. They talk about their expertise. So what are you an expert in? For example, when I pitch myself, I can pitch myself on a few different topics. Some of them are more business related. Some of them are more personal personal related. So I have, you know, I can talk about earning exposure in traditional media, earning exposure on podcasts. And then sometimes when I'm on more family focused or parenting or women focused podcasts, I talk about how I'm building a business working from home with three kids at home, how I do it without feeling mom guilt. Like that may not be super professional focused, but it's something that I do all day, every day. And I think a lot of people, because they do something all day, every day, because it's so easy for them, because they have so much experience, they don't necessarily recognize the value in it. They think it's just so easy and it's like secondhand. And it's, it's not like that for other people. It's like that for you, but it's not like that for other people. And, you know, there's some things where I'm talking to people and like, they're teaching me stuff and it's like 101, like they can't believe I don't believe it, but I'm like, this is not my expertise. It is not my interest. Like I have no clue what you're talking about. I mean, just filing my taxes this year, going back and forth with my CPA. I'm like, everything you're saying to me right now is like Chinese. I know it's 101 to you, but I have no idea what you're talking about. I recently launched launched software as a service. I launched podcast clout and it actually helps people build pitch lists to get on podcasts. I don't know anything about technology or software or like anything. I just had this idea and I was like, okay, I need to find people to hire to like execute this. I hired some business coaches and let me tell you, I am the dumbest person in the room every single day when I'm posting on Facebook, when I'm showing up for a coaching call. And I guess that's, you know, they say that's what you want to be. You want to be the dumbest person in the room so you can learn. But again, I think when it comes to thinking of those ideas, what can we talk about? Talk about things where it's like, it's secondhand nature to you. And then try to drill down, try to be specific as possible. So, you know, I can use the marketing example again. If you're a marketer, great. You know, you can do a lot of things if you're a generalist, but try to be more specific. Like, who do you help? You help business owners. Well, what kind of business owners? You help women. Well, what kind of women? Women in health and fitness. What do you help them do? Get more traffic on Pinterest. Is it organic or is it advertising? I do Pinterest ads. I mean, Pinterest ads is something that's unique that not a lot of people are talking about, that not a lot of people know. So I think just try to find what you do 
and like drill it down, niche it down so you can speak to that one thing and you can pitch that one thing that isn't commonly pitched. And now for photographers, they're typically focused on mostly on the local market. And so obviously it can be a little bit different when you're looking at the local market versus like, let's say if you're looking at a location independent kind of market where you could pitch any podcast or any really specific, you can pitch a very specific story to a very specific podcast. But if you're looking to reach, let's say, a local audience, let's say even like local news, how might you change that up a little bit because you're maybe you have to go more general to like reach as somebody who worked in television news, how would you pitch that kind of story to the local audience? Oh, I love this question, Allie, because now we get to go TV news. So with something like this, you have to be newsworthy. With podcasts, you don't really have to be timely because you know you can record an episode, it'll go live in three months, whatever. With local news, there has to be a reason for somebody to do the story right now. So you need to look at the calendar. Like, why are people doing this now? You also need to look at what's happening in the world or what else is happening locally. Like, why should they do this story now as it pertains to me and my business? Is something else going on? So for photographers... I would say look at every major holiday where people are taking photos. So example, for example, we could use Christmas and, you know, you can say how to style um, a Christmas shoot. Like, what do you wear? Do you all wear matching pajamas? Do you all wear the same thing? Do you color coordinate? Like, how do you best style a Christmas photo? And then here are five you know, creative poses for your Christmas card this year. Those ideas are super fun for like the noon newscast on TV or the morning newscast on TV. You could also, I mean, that's also a fun thing for um, a local magazine or a local newspaper because they always have those lifestyle sections where they're doing things like that. And then also like all of these ideas, definitely be repurposing them on your blog and on your social media and use those keywords, you know, wherever you live. So for example, I live in Wellington, Florida. So I would say maybe like, the five top places to take Christmas pictures in Wellington, Florida. And I would go out there and I would create the content. And then, you know, you you don't just write that blog, but then you pitch it to the media. And then you say, you know, I wrote this blog. I'd love to share it with you. I'd love to tweak it, you know, so it's perfect for your audience. And you want to give them everything on a silver platter. So if you're going to go in and you're going to talk about, you know, five ideas for Mother's Day pictures or five things to surprise your mom with, something, whatever, whatever the idea is. You can provide all of that for them. So maybe you come in, if it's TV, you come in with props. Like, here's a cool outfit. And, you know, here's a local makeup artist. Like, team up with other people locally. If we're talking about photography, team up with people who just have really cool restaurants with really cool decor or makeup artists or um, stylists or even local boutiques and stores with jewelry so they can style the pictures. I had a photography friend. And she did a lot of those partnerships with other people. You know, I mean, there's a lot that is involved in, in doing pictures. I have a photo shoot here at my house. And, you know, we're talking about, okay, hair, makeup, clothes, different settings, different props. And there's so many locally owned stores and locally owned businesses that can help you and team up with you. And they have, you know, their marketing expertise and you have your marketing expertise. And maybe one of them's already a regular on TV and you could be like, hey, can can we team up? Can we do this together? You know, I'll send you clients, you send me clients. So that's another way of doing it. But When it comes to local news, whether it be TV, online print, you just want to make sure you have that local focus. 
Obviously you live there, so that's one local focus, but you know, the idea of the different places to shoot is a good one or, um, you know, teaming up with those other local providers is a good one to make it as local as possible. And then, um, looking at the calendar, like, why should we do this story now? You know, like everybody always talks about, you know, the Christmas card and the Christmas photo or back to school or summer, or, you know, even if a new iPhone comes out, how to best take pictures on your iPhone. And I know photographers hate that, but you could spin it. Like, yeah, you can take pictures on your iPhone, but who's gonna take the pictures for you? Just because they know how to press a button doesn't mean they know how to get the right angle or get the right lighting. And filters can ruin a picture when you go to print it, you know? So you could say like, yeah, this new iPhone is released, but you still need to hire a photographer. I don't care how great this camera is. The person behind the camera needs to know what's going on. So you can use some of some of that news to your advantage. You may think it could hurt you, but you can flip it and use that again as like, this is going on. People are talking about this great new camera, but we can spin it and say, hey, you still need a photographer and this is why. I also heard recently that some local news stations were just desperate for happy stories because there's been so much tragedy in the world. I mean, there always is, but it's just been a particularly hard year. And so the stories are just downer, downer, downer. And so I have heard, and I don't know from your experience in local news, does this sound right? Like just to be able to come up with a, an uplifting story can have so much power in, uh, in them wanting to share it when there's so much else going on in the world. Does that sound right from your experience? It definitely depends on the market and what the viewership is. I can tell you that a lot of happy stories aren't covered just because people don't watch them. As mu- And it's sad to say, as much as people say, oh, I don't watch the news because it's all negative. I mean, I would come in every day and I would see on the ratings that as soon as you go from a negative story to a positive story, people change the channel. I mean, it's just, it's just, I mean, statistics show people like to watch the negativity and the positive stories. I will tell you, we got a lot of clients coverage with positive stories shortly after COVID hit. And, you know, you saw restaurants shutting down and all of that. We got a couple of our local restaurant clients, a lot of local coverage because it was like they were doing good. Like this is what they're doing for carryout. They're raising money for their staff. And, you know, you just use, again, you use what's happening locally. You use what's happening in the world to find that story idea. So, you know, a photographer could do that too. You know, like um, maybe, you know, you put on an event for people who, you know, it's like back to school. It's not really back to school, but they're going back to school after doing homeschool for three months or a restaurant is opening back up and we're doing a grand reopening and, you know, we're taking pictures for them. So like a photographer could earn if a photographer was going to do that, was going to offer their services for free and do like a COVID photo shoot. And, you know, you got to be careful. You don't want to make it like you're capitalizing off of a pandemic, but you can approach it the right way to get that coverage because people are talking about COVID. Okay. So how do I insert my expertise into this? So, you know, you can find those happy stories while people are covering bad ones, but unfortunately (laughs) it's the negative stories that get attention just because that's what people, that's what people watch. That's what people comment on. I did a Ted talk a few years ago and I talked about fake news and why it's your fault. And one of the examples I gave was the Kardashians. I was like, if you ever see a story about a Kardashian and you go to the comment section, it's just nothing but people hating, but that drives up engagement and that drives up clicks. 
So you may have, you know, a happy story about puppies and rainbows and butterflies, and it's not getting a lot of, maybe it has some comments and the comments are all positive, but the Kardashian story has way more comments. It doesn't matter if they're all negative, it's getting more engagement. So that's what they're going to do more of. And that's kind of the way it is with, with negative news, unfortunately. I guess it makes sense. Like you look at a novel and if you write a novel that's all happy, happy the whole time, that's boring. Like people like conflict. That's what people love in storytelling. When it comes to actually reaching out to these local media outlets, where do we find how best to reach out to them? That's a good question. There's a few different ways. Obviously, you know, start with the website and usually they have a contact page. I always like to tell people to check Twitter, especially for traditional media, just because all of the journalists are on Twitter. That's like where we work. Twitter is a very news focused platform. So even before you pitch somebody an idea, follow them on Twitter, interact with them on Twitter, because today we're more likely to pay attention to a notification on Twitter than we are another email in our inbox. So start with the website and start building your media list, create a spreadsheet, you know, like these are the local reporters who cover this topic and then find them on Twitter, start building a relationship. So then when you do have an idea to pitch them, you can help. And then also, um, you know, don't be afraid to like help them with something that doesn't pertain to you. Like, hey, what are you working on? Is there anything I can help you with? Because a lot of times they're doing a story and they're like, uh, do you know anybody who I can talk to about this or that? Um, I just had somebody reach out to me not too long ago. It was about talking to your kids about um, the Black Lives Matter movement and racism and all of that. And there was a local reporter and she's like, hey, I'm just looking for moms who are talking to their kids about this. So like you could be that mom to help with that story. You could refer her a mom to help with that story. And no, it's not, you know, any kind of plug for your photography business, but it is you building a relationship with somebody who is getting to know, like, and trust you. And when you do pitch her or him, you know, they're, they're more likely to help you out because you helped them out. So look at the website, look at Twitter and, and, you start a start a relationship with them that way. I mean, there's obviously softwares that you can buy and pay for and subscribe to that give you all of this information. But I think if you're not doing this full time, like as a PR agency, then you need to just start local. And even if people want big national coverage, I always tell them to start local because you're more newsworthy where you are and that's where you are locally. So yeah, get on the websites and um, and get on Twitter. And my gut feeling as I'm thinking about what, you know, like local news, for example, will be interested in is that if it's like an interesting project. So just a couple examples. One huge story that was all over the national news last year when COVID first hit was this idea of front porch projects where a photographer was just like, okay, I'm going to come and like shoot from really far away and take a photo of your family to just document this crazy time of you at home. And then you can pay money to charity. And that was a project and it became huge. Um, you'll see photographers doing like these interesting artistic projects that document a certain kind of thing. Those can become really big. For me, I did a, I pitched the local news. It wasn't actually about my business, but a lot of people, I was surprised by how many people saw it. And then like clients who saw me and reached back out. Um, where I was aiming for lowering the waste in my life, like lowering the garbage in my life. And we got it so low that I could actually quantify it and say like, we're to the point where we only have to take our garbage to the curb four times a year and or something like that. And so that was like 
whoa, you know, something kind of crazy. And I think that now I'm always thinking in that way of like, how can I be crazy or different <laughs> or like newsworthy? You know, it's, it's sometimes just thinking about what kind of project could you do or something that really like takes it to the next level and, and gains some interest there in that story. So that front porch thing was amazing. I remember yeah. that. And that was amazing. And something else that I would suggest for photographers to do is to really capitalize on local influencers. Um, because you know, when I'm thinking about the, the front porch thing, like when I saw that it was other local influencers and they would tag the photographer. And I think, you know, if you are trying to build your portfolio or get more attention, then you should offer to do a photo shoot for an influencer for free or at a deep discount and let them know, Hey, I'm trying to build my portfolio. You have a lot of influence and know a lot of people in the area. So I'd love to just do something with you for free or at a discounted rate. And when you share on Instagram, if you could just tag me, I would appreciate it. Because honestly, I told you I have a photo shoot next week. The person who is coming to do my pictures is somebody who was tagged on a local influencer's image. And I was asking like, who should I hire? Who should I bring on? Because honestly, it's been crazy trying to find a photographer. Like I reach out to some and I don't hear back. Or they want me to pay them in full up front before they even come over. And I'm like, I've had a bad experience doing that before. I'm not doing that again. Um, and I just think it's it's such an easy way to A, build a portfolio, but then also B, promote yourself. And just, you know, make sure you have an agreement where you get tagged in the pictures that they share as the photographer. And when people need pictures, then you're always going to be top of mind. That is a good idea. And I didn't even think about it, but I kind of fell into doing that many, many years ago with someone locally taking photos. And, um, you know, you want to make sure that it's a balance of uh, that, like both people are getting something benefit from it and you don't want it to just turn into like ongoing free photo shoots forever. But doing like a single kind of like cool styled session where they can then share those photos and make sure they're tagging you can be a really cool way. Or with other other similar vendors or other similar businesses even. Like they if they have big followings, that's really helpful too. Are there any other like final thoughts on misconceptions around PR or kind of like parting thoughts on what people should be considering as they if they want to dip their toe into this world? Oh my gosh, there's so many misconceptions <laughs> about PR. I think the biggest one to look out for, because this is a trap I see a lot of people falling into, just because right now there's a lot of quote unquote contributors and they are abusing their power that they really don't have as a contributor, but they, they're charging people for coverage, I guess. They're saying, oh, hey, Allie, I'll do this for you. You know, I'll get you here on TV. Just give me 500 bucks. And I don't work for the TV station. I don't sell ads for the TV station, so I can't do that. And then you pay me 500 bucks, and it's like, you know, I could or could not get you there. I don't know. I don't own it. I don't, you know, I don't have any pool there. So it's just, it's, it's just something that I see. So don't fall for that. There's a big difference between the two. So I think my, and then my other, my other tip would be, don't think that you need to wait to be a bigger deal to get exposure. I hear that so many times from people. They're like, oh, I'm not ready yet. I'm like, why aren't you ready? Oh, because, you know, and they, they make up some ridiculous excuse. And I'm like, okay, well, are you ready for more clients? And they always say yes. I'm like, well, how are you going to get more clients if people don't know about you? The idea of PR is to get people to know about you so you get more clients. Like it's numero uno. And everybody has this perception because that's what it does, you know, that like, I have to be a big deal before I'm on TV. Well, no, being on TV is what makes you a big deal. 
Like people think of it backwards because they, they have this perception. So I would just leave people with that. Like if you're ready for more clients, then you know, you're ready for this. And you also, I guess one more last point, you want to have some place to send people to because you don't want to like waste the publicity. You know, you don't want to be on TV and they say, where can we find out more? And you're like, uh, I don't know. Cause I don't have a website or an Instagram or a phone number. You know what I mean? Like you want to leave people a place to go so you can like continue the conversation after that media is earned. And again, I already talked about sharing the media after it's earned, because that's where you're really going to see the profit from the publicity. Well, that's a good segue, because my next question for you is where can people find more resources from you? Oh, thank you. I do have some. I'm prepared. I'm prepared for the podcast. I actually, I have a couple that can help people. I think this one, uh, which I honestly haven't shared in a while, it's um, at pitchpublicityprofit.com. And this is somebody that I think a lot of your audience can relate to, Allie. This woman um, is a dietitian in San Diego, and she just wanted to get in front of her local market to get local moms to work with for, for their kids. And we pitched her to be a guest on local TV talking about, again, looked at the calendar, back to school time, what are lunches we can pack for kids that they will actually eat. And they will bring home an empty lunchbox. And we literally worked together on a pitch. We sent it on a Monday. She got booked on a Wednesday. And right after that, she was making her goal. It's crazy. Her goal was to get more clients. But what happened right after that is she was actually making brand deals. And brands were paying her to talk about her products on her blog. So, like, we turned her into an influencer after being on TV. And at pitchpublicityprofit.com, you can see the exact pitch that we sent how we booked the segment to get her the publicity and how that publicity turned into profit. So I take you through every step of that. And then I can also, we talked about podcasts a little bit and obviously your audience listening, they're fans of podcasts. So if you want to see the exact pitch that I sent to get on Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income, um, I have that available at podcastclout.com slash Pat. And again, I don't want to just like share one thing and call it a day. I share the whole thing, the exact pitch to the booking, to what happened after. And I can honestly, I can honestly say that that first appearance on his podcast equated to multiple appearances on his podcast, acceptance into his mastermind, speaking on stages and tens of thousands of dollars in revenue. So I break all of that down at podcastclout.com slash Pat. And then I'm on the social. You can find me, you know, on Instagram and everywhere else at Christina all day. Wonderful. All right. And as always, all of those links will be in the show notes. So you can check those out and go dig in, get inspired and come up with your own ideas. Christina, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Allie. It was nice chatting with you. Thanks for listening. Check out show notes at photofieldnotes.com. And if you loved this episode, leave your review on iTunes. See you next week.